Okay, it looks like that's going. I want you to think with me today for about a week now. I've been coming across three words in my devotions um, on Facebook memes, on um, here and there. I came, came, up, came up in my devotions one day this week. And those three words that we're going to talk about are what are sometimes called the three cardinal virtues. And those three cardinal virtues are found at the end of 1 Corinthians. And we'll be looking there. At the end of the um, at the end of the message, we'll be looking at, at at one Corinthians chapter thirteen to kind of close the message. But as we look at the Word of God, and I think it's especially true in the days that we're facing now, in the times that we're dealing with, that we have that we pay attention to those virtues and the virtues that are talked about. And the the, the verse I found it in was in my reading in my devotions in Colossians one four and five. And um, I've got three verses we're going to look at, and I'm going to then we're going to take those three virtues from the three verses. So, and then I'll, we'll, we'll close with an extended look um, at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. But the verse I read in my devotions this week was this. Paul was writing his, um, uh, he's writing to the Colossian church. He's given them a greeting. Um, he's, and then he says there's some things they need to be commended for. And I shared this in the trailer on Friday morning. Paul writes to the Colossians in chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. Since we heard of your faith in Jesus Christ and the love which you have to all the saints for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven whereof ye heard before in the word of truth of the gospel. There's so much packed into those words. But there's three things we're going to look at today and three things I think we are in desperate need of today. We're in desperate need and the world is in desperate need and people are are crying out and our neighbors, our loved ones, people that we uh, are care about, people we see on our walks, brief contacts, uh, are, are looking, deeply looking for faith and hope and love. And we have that source. And there's at least these three passages that talk about faith and hope and love. The three verses are these. It's the one we just read from Colossians. It's the one in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 3. Paul writes, Remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God our Father. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13, the most famous of these says, Now remains or now abideth faith, hope, and love. And charity is the King James. That's whenever I read that verse, I grew up with the King James translation. So I say faith, hope, and charity. It's my normal response. And, uh, and they said the greatest of these is love or charity. And we'll explain why the word charity was used by the King James translators as we get to that point. So, um, but first let's, let's have a quick word of prayer. Um, as I said, if you have prayer requests, please feel free um, to jot them down and Mary's had, or, or mention them in the comments and we'll pray for those at the end. Let's pray for the message, Joe, and get started. Father, we thank you for our chance to be together this morning in this unique way. And it's, um, it's, got, it's a different kind of, of, of gathering together. But Lord, I thank you for the many who are keeping our responsibility to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Bless us now as we look at these words and how we can apply them in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. If I were, if I, if we were at church and I, and, and I had the Team Timothy lads here and, uh, I think they've got worksheets to work on this morning, I'd be asking them now to remind us of those three things we're going to talk about. And the first we're going to look at, we're going to look at the word faith first. Um, faith, and people wonder, what is faith? You know, what, what, what does faith mean? And our faith is, uh, we look at, look for Bible descriptions, and there can be just as, 
confusing a bit. Uh, faith is the substance of the things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. We know faith is important, but what is faith? And I like a little, I, guess, I think it's called an acronym. When you take the letters and you put them in order, and acrostic or an acronym, acronym I think it's called, for faith. And that acronym that I learned years ago, if I have that word right, is forsaking all I trust him. Faith means that we put our trust in something or someone to carry us through um, difficult times. Uh, we, 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 it's a matter of trust, and faith is a lot like trust. But the first thing Paul mentions, and he mentions this, um, or the, the, word, the, word, the way I have them here in, in Thessalonians, Paul talks about your work of faith. Now that means faith is not just some ethereal, out there in spacey type thing. Faith is a, the Bible says, faith manifests itself in works. Um, I wrote a, read a book not too long ago, or a long time ago now. I read a book called Faith Works, and the whole precept of faith works is that faith always produces work. Real faith always produces real work. Um, now, faith doesn't, faith, faith is what truly saves us. We're not saved by doing works, and that's abundantly clear. And I'm not going to take the time to go through all of the passages in the book of Romans and other places that God says that we're not saved by our works, no matter how good we are, no matter how much good we do, no matter how many laws we keep, we cannot be saved by our works. But faith always produces good works. In the book of Ephesians, um, at the around verse 10, I think it is, it says that um, we're saved by faith. But it also says that we are, we are ordained to do good works. So faith produces good works. And what kind of faith, what kind of works does faith produce? I think we can look many places about that. I, I think of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance, kindness. I can't remember the whole thing exactly. But all those things are the fruit of faith. Faith produces these things in us. And, and, and so faith always produces work. I think of James chapter 2, one of the most controversial passages of Scripture. If we don't look at it properly, where it says, the, the passage there says that faith without works is dead. And you say, well, well, what does that mean? Does that, does that indeed mean that I'm saved by works? Well, no. It means what it says, that faith produces good works. Faith without works is dead. So faith that does not produce works is a dead faith. It's not alive. It's not real. So if our faith is not producing works, then we have to question our faith. Now, I, I'm not going to sit here and judge somebody's life and say, because they're not this or they're not that, they're not saved. Only God knows people's hearts. But in our own lives, we ought to know that faith is going to produce good works. Um, faith also causes us to walk by faith, not by sight. And boy, I tell you, I, uh, those who know me know my mind a bit. Um, I have really had to work on that over the last few weeks, um, that we walk by faith, not by sight. If we walk by sight, if we walk by all the, the stuff we're seeing in the world, if we walk by looking at the news and this many new cases and this many illnesses and this many hospitalized, this many deaths and this job, these jobs closing and those jobs closing and people without work and, and it's just, it's mind-blowing. But we walk by faith, not by sight. 
And I need to constantly remind myself of this. That when I'm laying, lying in bed at night, uh, when I wake up in the middle of the night, I need to keep my mind on the fact that God's faith, or our faith, is what carries us through this. We need to keep walking by faith that God is God. I talked to a Christian yesterday, and and many of you know that one of my biggest battles um, all the years we've been here, because of the way the economy has has played out, um, we've never been able to purchase a house, and we're in our 60s now, nearing retirement age, and that causes me a faith struggle. But I met a chap, a Christian yesterday on the canal, same situation as me, about my age, and we were talking about this whole concept, and he says he made it very clear. It all comes down, do we really trust God or not? We need to walk by faith and not by sight. It's the proof of the things we wait for. Uh, we, and we look by faith at the unseen that God's going to do instead of the seen that we see now. One of the other passages, I think this is the Colossians passage, says not only that kind of faith, but also says, Paul heard of their faith in Christ Jesus. And man, that drives the point home. That's the key. Without faith in Christ Jesus, we don't have any of this. And that faith is the saving faith that translates us, as the Colossians says, from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And, put, and we, now, we're, now we're in the kingdom of God because we have exercised our faith. I can't trust in my own works. Not by any works of doing right are we saved, but through faith. Um, faith by, saved by faith alone. That was the great rallying cry of the Reformation. Martin Luther said, Martin, Martin Luther said, by faith alone. And our salvation truly comes by faith in Jesus Christ. That sets the difference apart from, from religion, from religiosity, from denominations. It's faith in Jesus Christ that sets us apart. I say, I can't do anything for myself. I was born a sinner. I live in my sin. That's my nature. And I can't do anything about that. So we put our faith in Christ to be the one who paid the price for our sins. Second word is hope. And there's a couple of phrases used in the verses I read here. Um, hope talk, Hope mentions um, this patience of hope. Patience and hope kind of go hand in hand, don't you think? If I really have hope in what God's going to do, then, I'm, then I can patiently wait for God to do it. Um, I, I I don't I'm not a patient man. I, I it would be a nightmare for me to go to Tesco right now. I I I I think I'd go nuts. I think I'd rather starve. I think I'd rather use newspaper than go to Tesco at, at, to look for toilet paper. But patience is 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 when we, when our hope is right. If I went to Tesco and I needed something and I knew that I was going to get it and I had to get it then I would patiently bear with the hope that I'm going to get what I need. Um, we're talking about eternity here. And I have a hope in me. And this isn't just hope. This isn't, this isn't a hope like says, boy, I hope the rugby season restarts so I can watch Leinster play. I hope Ireland wins the Six Nations whenever it resumes. I hope this or I hope that or I hope we have this during the week. That's kind of a vague, wishy hope. But this is a different word. This is a different notion of hope. This hope is an assurance. This is my trust. He talks about our patience of hope. And if God promises something and God promises me that I'm going to spend eternity in heaven with him, then I can patiently wait for what God's going to do. Hope and patience go hand in hand. So it talks about the patience of hope. Hope is willing to wait and wait and wait. One of the other verses there, in the three verses we read at the beginning, um, it says that we have 
I think it's the Colossians verse, says that our hope is laid up for us in heaven. And that is the hope that we have. When all this is said and done, our hope is, 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 is in the fact, our hope is laid up for us. Hold on, someone's sorry to get my, hold, give me one second. Let me get organized here. Okay. Make sure I have the right verses. Sorry about that. Um, our faith, our hope, is laid up for us in heaven. And the, the goes on to say, it goes on to say um, that whereof ye have heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. Here, here Paul is driving home the gospel of Jesus Christ again. Here it's driving home that the hope we have, uh, there's a song that says, the, hopens of the, hopens heaven, the hope of heaven's glory thrills my soul. One day, there's not going to be any more coronavirus. There won't be any cancer. Won't be any illness. We live in a terribly broken world, and the world is broken because of man's sin. When man walked away from God, God didn't walk away from man. He didn't walk away from the world. And God still shows his mercy. And I cannot even imagine where this world would be if God still wasn't showing his mercy to this world. So we have the hope of eternity in heaven. Why? It goes back to the same thing I just talked about a few minutes ago. It goes back to our faith in Jesus Christ. Um, This assured hope is there. It comes in the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is the gospel? You say, well, well, they read the gospel in church and they call this, this is the gospel. Well, Paul says precisely that the gospel is this. I think it's in 1 Corinthians or 1 Corinthians chapter um, 12, I think it is. Um, He says, this is the gospel. Jesus was Jesus died, he was buried, and he rose again the third day according to the scripture. And the reason he had to die, he died for us, he died for our sins according to the scripture. That's my hope. My hope is secure. I look at this this the virus that we're dealing with today, and I I I'll be honest with you, I don't want to get sick. I hate being sick. I don't really want to die. <coughs> I don't want my loved ones and my friends to die. I don't want them to get sick. But I can have the assurance that um, I can have the assurance that because of the hope I have in heaven, that if this virus were to creep in and take my life, I still don't need to fear, because my hope is and my assurance is that I'm going to heaven after this. Folks, we need to be showing the people around us. We need to be examples of faith and examples of, uh, of hope. And finally, we need to be examples of love. Faith, hope, and love. I'm going to come back to the 1 Corinthians passage in just, in just a few minutes. Um, what is love? Love, the kind of love we're looking at is, is not... Uh, the Bible talks uses at least three different words for love. It uses the word eros for love, and that's the physical, normal attraction that people have for each other. That's the attraction that... Um, it's, it's, it, it is love. It's not necessarily lust. It is a physical love, a physical attraction. Um, this is the kind of love that makes me love a double cheeseburger. Okay? I love double cheeseburgers. With an eros love. 
Okay, um, there's another word. There's uh, there's the, the the kind of love that is called phileo, and this is the love of companionship. This is the love that we have for people, um, our friends, our neighbors, people we meet. Um, I'm I'm really grateful. I have a whole bunch of walking dog walking friends that I meet, and I have to tell you. You know, in, in this phileo way, I love these people. I love being around them. I, 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 sometimes I arrange my walks in order to be with people that I want to see. Um, that's a natural love. We have the eros love. We have the phileo love. But then we have this kind of love. And this, this kind of love is the agape love, or agapeo to be precise. And this is a love that means we give everything up for somebody else. Um, and that's what God wants us to have. He wants it to show love. And what does the Bible say about love? I could have spent this entire 20 or 25 minutes talking about love and how we deal with love. Love is, what is love? Well, the Bible, here's four categories. Who do you love? The Bible says we love ourselves. I have no problem loving me. Okay? It says we love our neighbors. It says we're to love our friends. It says we're to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. And it says we are to love our enemies. How did Jesus summarize that? What's the greatest commandment? And I can summarize that to five words. Love God and love others. Do we have love? Uh, the Bible talks here about the labor of love. In the 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 passage, we see the, um, the labor of love. Our work is motivated by love. We get that concept from 1 Corinthians um, chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For Christ, Christ love compels us. The verses say this, And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we have once regarded Christ in this way, we do no longer. tells us here that our love motivates us, it drives us, it compels us. It is the force that drives its way home. This is what keeps us going. This is why we keep sharing the gospel. This is why even during a time of crisis, we come together in fellowship in any way we can because we're motivated by the love of Christ. And we're motivated by to love each other and to encourage and bless each other. It's the love of Christ, that word in, in, in 2 Corinthians, it's the word of Christ, the, the, the love of Christ compels us or constrains us. Um, if you're ever working in the back garden and you have your, your, your garden hose and you don't have one of those fancy little spigot, those tap things for the end of it, if you want the water to be pressured, you take your thumb and you put it over part of it and it sprays out. And that's that word constrain here. That's what drives the water out is that pressure. The love of Christ pressures us to reach out to people. When we, when we have that love of Christ, that means we don't worry about the color of somebody's skin. We don't worry about their religion. We don't worry about their practices. We don't worry about their choices. We don't worry about all we do is love because Jesus loved all of us and that's how we should love everybody around us. It takes away all kinds of fake labels and fake fake identities. It takes away the hatred off of Facebook and Twitter if we're really motivated out of love. I have to ask myself, does, does, the, love of, um, does the love of Christ compel the way I post on Facebook? Can you imagine if all of us were motivated by the love of Christ when we're on when we're on Facebook, what a blessing! The love of Christ that helps us see others through the eyes of Christ. And the um, Colossians verse says, "You're loved to all the saints." Yeah, we love everybody, absolutely. But Paul also writes here: there's a special compassion for a love for the saints. 
Jesus said that was the test of love. He said people are going to know where we the people are going to know that we belong to him by the love we have for each other. And I've got Christian friends of all ilks. I've got Pentecostals and Charismatics and I've got people who who don't worship the way I worship. I've got people who um, astound me sometimes. But I love my brothers and sisters in Christ. I love I love being with them. I love spending time with them. We may not always work. We may not always be able to work together. Or we may not sing the same songs. We may differ on the, the little finer points of Scripture that are not real black and white areas. But man, we need to love each other. There's too few of us in this world. There's especially too few of us in this country. So we need to have a, com- a compelling love. There's no room for division in the body of Christ. I, I've grown up, I've seen all kinds of fights in the body of Christ. I've seen Baptists fight Pentecostals and Baptists fight Methodists and Baptists fight Presbyterians. Yeah, you get my point. Okay? But there's no room for that kind of division in the body of Christ. The love of Christ, Christ compels us. We need to lay aside all type of petty arguments. Um, it's a love to all the saints. And now it's times like this where we have a chance to show our love. It's times like this that we're going through now that people see a difference in us. I mean, even if you have to, even if you're social distancing and you're staying two meters apart and you're walking, doing your daily walk or out walking the dog or whatever, whatever your exercise you're doing, you can still give somebody a smile and a good morning and show them love. And there's people are even getting afraid of that today. I've, I've started having some scowls and nasty looks. But you know what? We can still smile at somebody. We can still say, we can still greet them. Say hello. Um, try to share a kind word. They may not take it, but we try to share a kind word. When we're out in, in a queue and we're really frustrated, we can be kind to those in the queue around us. Just a matter of showing the love of Christ. I'm going to close. This is the last thing we're going to do. I'm going to close by looking um, at the passage that this comes from. If you have your Bible there or you have um, it on your phone or wherever you might happen to have your Bible, I'd like you to turn to the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 13, and most people know this as the great love chapter. Um, I'm going to read it out of the Old King James because I love um, I love the way the Old King James puts it. I love the sound of it in the Old King James. Give me one second. Let me change Bibles. Let me read what, what Paul said, what, what Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. I love the poetry of the way it's written in, the, in this translation. Paul says this, Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not charity, I become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Remember, I like the King, King James translation here of charity. Charity gives the idea of giving, and that's what agape is. Verse 2, And though I have the gift of prophecy, and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity... I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemingly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, beareth all things, Believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never, charity never faileth. Whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether they be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. 
For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, and that which in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know even as also I am now. And now abideth faith and hope and charity. But the greatest of these is charity. Amen and amen.